You guys can grab a seat. <clears throat> we decided that we were going to jump into a little series building up to Christmas. We started it last week after we finished the book of Hebrews. We'll jump into a new book the first of the year. We're really excited. But last week we talked about how words mean more than we think. And then this week is how words affect others. Next week will be words with God. And then Christmas Eve will be the word became flesh. And so we've, we've been talking about this and, and recognizing, and I challenged you all last week specifically to to really think about and recognize that what you say is, is, a, is a direct correlation or an indicator of where your heart is. That we can have a, a, a metric or a, a measuring tool that we can utilize to take advantage of seeing that what's coming out of our mouth can tell us the condition of our heart. And so I challenged you last week to really recognize that people die because of things that are said. That the tongue can be uh, weapons of mass destruction, launching holocausts and wars. Um, the tongue can also be the death of marriages, families, friendships, churches, careers, hopes, understanding, reputations, missionary efforts, and governments. But that people also live because of things that are said. The tongue can be a tree of life, as Proverbs 15.4 says. The tongue can reconcile peoples and make peace. The tongue can make marriages sweet, families strong, and churches healthy. The tongue can give hope to the despairing, advance understanding, and spread the gospel. And so we saw last week and we looked at specifically at Hebrews 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who live with, who love it will eat its fruit. So we knew that ultimately that there's two ways we can see that words come out, that there's either death or life or life or death. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's no in between. There's no kind of neutral zone for this. And then as we looked at last week specifically, we recognized that those words actually weren't just things that we thought and came out of our mouths, but these words are specifically something that comes from our heart. These words, are, these words are specifically an outpour of what's going on inside of us. In fact, Jesus says that very thing in Luke 6, 45. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, heart isn't just some arbitrary statement, but heart usually in the New Testament is used to, to, to speak of the whole person, the entirety of that individual, the center of who they are. And so we saw that every single one of us need to recognize that there is a, there is a way in which we can speak life or speak death. James challenged us last week, specifically telling us that we ultimately... We, are, we will praise the Lord with our, with, with our tongue, and out of the same mouth we will curse the individuals that the Lord made in his image. And he says, may it not be so. And as I looked at the scriptures this week to talk about how our words affect others, it is unbelievable how much scripture there is specifically speaking about how you and I are to talk to one another. The majority of the scripture speaks about uh, brothers speaking to brothers or, or those that are submitted to Christ, followers of Jesus, how we are to speak to one another within the church. But, but it's equally important on how we speak to those outside the church. There's many, many scriptures that say that we are to speak wonderful things and give life to people. And there's many, many scriptures that talk about how we are not to speak, like these do's and don'ts of speaking. We establish that a critical heart produces a critical tongue. A self-righteous heart will produce a judgmental tongue. A bitter heart produces a biting tongue, and an ungrateful heart produces a grumbling tongue. But a loving heart produces a gracious tongue. A faithful heart produces a truthful tongue. A peaceful heart produces a reconciling tongue, and a trusting heart produces an encouraging tongue. We're told by Jesus in, in Matthew 12 that we are, we are literally going to give an account for every careless word that we speak. And so the, the scriptures are riddled with how we are to speak to one another. There's scriptures like 
Proverbs 17.4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. He's talking about gossip here. A person who gossips is a broadcasting station for evil. Those of us that gossip are, are literally using our dissatisfaction in our position and trying to tear someone else down so we can feel better about ourselves. And I get it. Many of us are like, well, I don't gossip. I mean, yeah, but you, you just, I just heard someone gossip. Well, Proverbs 20, 19 tells us not to associate with a gossip. So we're not even supposed to be listening to that. We're not even supposed to be partaking in it in this way. Uh, Proverbs 22, 20, or 12, 22 says, lying lips are an abomination. This is a, literally, this is a disgusting thing. Abomination is a disgusting thing. Lying lips are a disgusting thing to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. When you tell a lie, even that little white lie, it wasn't a big one, it's a disgusting thing to the Lord. It's disgusting. Grumbling and complaining, Philippians 2, 14 says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. It doesn't say do some things. Doesn't say do everything except for driving in this in, in Boise without grumbling, right? Like it says do everything without grumbling and complaining. We are to literally live our lives as children of God without complaining. And I get it, many of us will complain because of our circumstances or, or the situation we're in. It's difficult, and therefore I, I'm complaining right now. If you go back to Hebrews, we talked about how the Lord disciplines those whom we love. A lot of times the difficult situations he's using to make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. And we find ourselves in a posture of complaining. He says, don't do this. Don't complain. Don't grumble. 1 Peter 2, 1 says, put away all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And when we speak ill of someone, we're literally verbally assaulting them. We're attacking them. Proverbs says that our tongue can be sword thrusts or healing. When we speak ill of someone because we're dissatisfied with ourselves or because we, we are envious of where they are in their life, we feel like we'll feel better about who we are if we just say something poor about them. This is, this is an assault on them. The scriptures go on. There's so many more. But it also has the other side. I'm talking about all the ways in which we are to speak to them. It says, speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Share the gospel, Matthew 28.19. Encourage each other, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Continually praise the Lord, Psalms 34.1 and 35.28. Or just keep silent, Ecclesiastes 3.7. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. There are scripture upon scripture upon scripture talking about us communicating to each other, how we speak to each other. We talked about last week how the very first time the word speak comes up in scriptures is at the beginning where God speaks life. He speaks creation, and it's good. And we talked about how we are either going to bring life or death, like the Proverbs said. So when we look at this text and we think about all the ways in which we're commanded to not speak to each other and commanded to speak to each other, it'd be really easy for us to again go down to the do's and don'ts. Okay, don't do this and do this and let's just move on and we'll be great. Except for I think there's actually a scripture that gives us a little bit of understanding as to why. Why is God so adamant about sharing and um, holding together so many scriptures on how we are to operate with each other with our voices, with our, with our mouths? And it's in Ephesians Four, um, look up here on the slides with you. It's out of Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Pulled out a couple scriptures just for time's sake in that section. 
It says, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Let no corrupting talk or unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. First off, there's, there's, there's so much in the Scripture. There's just so much incredible things in the Scripture. But first off, he says something that I think is really important for us. He uses this word unwholesome. Or, or um, in, in this text, is, is corrupting talk. Let no corrupting talk or unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I think so many of us as Christians, I'm just going to pick on the, those that claim to, to follow Christ today. We use, we use the, the kind of air quote freedom to speak unwholesome. I'm free in Christ, so I can say whatever I want to say. And so we, we sound just like every other person in culture that has no idea who Jesus is. And we, we believe that's a freedom. And we, we, we operate as if, like, no, we're just, we're just free in this. And we, we take the very thing that God has done for us and given us to be free, and we, we enslave ourselves to corrupt speaking. And so if you're like, oh, no, it's just, it's just super cool to say a cuss word every now and then that may have an ill effect on someone, but it doesn't mean anything to me, you're, you're literally allowing the unwholesomeness come out of you that God says to let nothing of. And so we are not to operate in this way. We are not to speak with vulgarity. Like we shouldn't be the crass jokes, jokester at our work. People shouldn't know us for being the cutting and biting, sarcastic person. Like these, are, these, are, these are not freedoms that we have. This is a lie that culture tells us that we can do and operate, and all it does is it muddies the water. It just makes people go, wait, I, th I thought you, is this, is this what it means to follow Christ? Is this what it looks like? Because that doesn't look any different than what I saw in school or in college or at work. I don't see any difference there. So there's no unwholesome talk. In this text, we see, I think, a, a number of reasons, and there's plenty of other scriptures that talk about why is God so specific about this? Why does he, why does he continue to push on this? And the first one is, in verse 30 and 31, it says that there's a way in which we can grieve the Holy Spirit. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed at the day of redemption. They says, let all these things go away. Well, what, is, what this is telling us is that there's a way in which we speak and how we operate with each other that brings sadness and sorrow to God. It brings a sorrowfulness. It brings a, a, an offense to God by the way we speak. Do you ever consider this? Like, I feel like if, if that was something that I just sat on, that's enough motivation for me to think about how I speak to one another. But in the scripture, he says, look, look when, we, when we do these things, when we bring slander and bitterness and, 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 and unwholesome speaking, we actually grieve the Holy Spirit. We, we, we bring about sadness to the Holy Spirit. Well, why is that? Well, just before this in Ephesians 4, we're talking about one spirit and one God and everything being united. When we start gossiping and slandering, we're dividing. We're dividing. We're, we're, we're taking and tearing apart the very thing that the Spirit, what he's here to do, which is unify us in truth. 
When we speak with a lying tongue, we're operating unholy, and the Spirit is, is leading us to operate holy, set apart by God. This should be enough motivation for us to really think about how we speak, what we say. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So everything that comes out of us that's saturated in the Holy Spirit will be truthful. So when we choose to not be truthful, when we choose to be deceitful, when we speak ill will or gossip or slander, when we do those things, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We bring about a sadness to our God. We, we tear apart the very thing that he's, he's holding together. We bring about disunity when the Spirit's goal is unity. His desire is unity. And that should be enough, but, but the author, but Paul goes on further here, and he goes on to say something that I think is even, even a, a bigger motivation for you and I to continue to change the way that we speak, not just out of what comes out of our mouth, but in the heart, at the root of it. Not just a, a little bit of a, hey, I got a better filter now. I'm still thinking these things, but to literally let God, like we talked about last week, dig out, cut away, dig as deep as he needs to go to get whatever roots uh, is, is in you to keep you from, from speaking this way. He goes in, in verse 22 in this section, he says, he says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Now, this should be common to most of us that are, that are followers of Jesus, but, but our old self, Bren prior to Christ, was corrupt and had evil desires. That Bren doesn't want to speak well of other people. That Bren doesn't want to speak truth. In fact, I wanted lies. I wanted unwholesome speaking. I wanted to, to cut and to tear apart. And so he says, look, do not, do you not know, at the very beginning he says, no longer walk as Gentiles. And that wasn't a, a push on the people group. It was saying that those that don't know Christ. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in truth and righteousness and holiness. So he's saying, look, there's, there's two ways in which we can operate and live, the old self and the new self. There's a way that when, when, I, when I put on, when I allow the Lord to, to clothe me in his righteousness, then I am actually showing him to this world. I am living out him to this broken, broken world. And there's an old self that can get in the way of that. When we talked about the scripture in Ephesians, I came up here wearing an absolutely disgusting sweater at the beginning of the sermon, and no one said anything. And, and I said that a lot of times what we do is we, we, clo we get clothed in righteousness through Jesus Christ and we, we end up sometimes finding ourselves going back to that old closet that's been deemed completely disgusting. Like it's got mice and rats and it's, it's, it's a cesspool and, and there's moss. Like nothing's good in there. But we go back because we think it's comfortable and it's what we you know. And so we put this on over our righteousness and, and everyone can see it. It's like, man, that doesn't, that smells weird. Like why are you wearing that? And too often, we, we try to operate as a new creation with the old self around us, and it just doesn't work. There's an incongruence there. It doesn't make any sense. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Is he's saying, look, there's a way in which you can live as a part of the new self and the old self. And then right after this, he goes, therefore, therefore. And that's when he goes into, let all bitterness and, and slander and all those things be put away. What's the very first thing he goes to out of the new self is the way that we speak to one another. So when you and I operate in the old self, we will gossip, we will slander, we will lie, we'll grumble, we'll complain, we'll speak flippantly with our words, we'll use words like holy with a cow after it, when really holy means set apart. We'll take the Lord's name in vain because we stubbed our toe or we're amazed at something. That's what the old self does. 
It's incongruent. It's incompatible. It doesn't even make sense. It's, it's a short circuit to those who are in Christ. And this is why this is so important, is that when, when I operate in the new self, I then do the very thing that God commands in me. I build up his kingdom. I build up other people. I live true to the way in which he's created me and has he saved me and set, apart, set me apart for his righteousness and his holy work here on earth to see his kingdom come to fruition. So when I choose to, to lie and to slander and to grumble and to do those things, I'm, I'm operating out of the flesh of the old self. And like James said in his text, he says, we praise God with our mouth and then speak terrible things to those who were created in his image. May it not be so. Out of the same mouth, it makes no sense. That's a divided heart. And the Spirit doesn't take a divided heart. He saturates you and takes you. And all of you, you don't, when you submit to Christ, you don't just say, here's part of me, although some of you think that. When you give your life to Christ, it's all of me. So when we speak ill of one another, we destroy you see in this text, he says, to put on the new self, created in the likeness of God, says that we could build one another up. And I, I, I thought of this this week when I was talking with Danny about a little visual aid for you. And so, so a lot of times, this is the way I see it. When, if, if we are to operate inside of the new self, then the new self's role is to build up one another. Well, how do you build up one another? Well, if you've ever, and I said this last week, if you've ever seen, if you've ever encouraged a child and you've just seen them beam Right? If you encourage, they did some art, and they're like, look, it's a giraffe, and it's like a bunch of colors that makes no sense at all. And you're like, oh, I totally see. That's awesome. Great job. And not lying to them, but you're just trying to encourage them, right? And they, they just, they beam. When you acknowledge something that someone does, it's, that's, that's, man, I see God in you. I see God doing this in you. It, it builds them up. It encourages them. It strengthens them. And so it's like we, we see someone, and we say, hey, you know what? I noticed something. Last week, I, I watched you serve this individual, and you didn't they didn't notice, and anyone else noticed, and I know you didn't do it to be noticed, but man, you, you, really, you really showed what it means to live for Christ. You, you put a foundation down. Then you look at him, you say, you know what, like, hey, I've, I've, I want to I wanna come and I want to tell you something. Like, I've noticed that when you, when you use these gifts for the Lord, it just makes me want to be more like the Lord. So thank you. And you, you, you continue to build people up. When's the last time you acknowledged that in someone? When's the last time you ever took notice of that in someone? Or like the scriptures say to speak the truth in love. If you see a brother that is struggling or a sister that's struggling in sin and you go to them graciously and truthfully and, and point them to the truth, it says it's a good thing to win your brother over and you encourage them and you build them up. When you look at them and you see them exhausted from life, if they're a new parent, you got the bags in their eyes because they're exhausted. They still look great, new parents. Just keep going, okay? But you can see they're just tired and they're worn out. And you come up and tell them, hey, hey I know you probably don't feel this, but you're doing a great job. Like this season will pass, just enjoy the season. You build up. When you tell someone what you love about them, you add to it. When you point someone to scripture and they're super encouraged by it, they're like, I didn't even know that this scripture was there and it, it brought about so much truth in the direction I was going. You build up. And that's the very purpose and premise that the new self is supposed to do, which to build one another up. You then look at them and tell them that, that Ultimately, you, have, you are a different person or changed person because of what they've done in your life or, or you've, you've, you've noticed that in their own life, the growth process that they've had has challenged you or spurred you on to want to grow and know more of the Lord and you keep building them up. You keep telling them these things, not because you're making them up, but because you're, you're willing to notice the good and what God is doing in their lives. And you see that God is doing the very thing he promised, which he says, I will begin and finish the work that I started in you. And you see it step by step going up, building and building, and building. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. 
There is no stopping to that. There isn't like, well, it might start to lean or tip. It doesn't matter. This is just a visual aid. Don't, don't see it that far, okay? If I did more, it probably would have fallen down, but that's not the point. This is what we're to do. This is what we're to do in our marriages. This is what we're to do with our kids. This is what we're to do with each other in the church. You know what, you know what it takes to do this and not be cheesy or, or pointless or simple? It takes getting really close to people, awkwardly, uncomfortably close, in each other's business, because you don't really see this stuff very well. You know what else it takes? And I'm just, this is just a, I'm going to like veer off for a second. It takes us being able to hear this louder than the voice of what we're telling ourselves. See, I think too often, too many of us speak so much negativity of ourselves that even if someone genuinely sees something good in there, it never ever builds because you say, yeah, but they don't see this, this, or this. I'm going to pick on new moms for a second. New moms, man, like you're, you're, you're warriors, okay? It's unbelievable what you do. And I can guarantee you're probably making like 100 mistakes wrong, okay? We all are. Uh, one of the people that goes here says, I'm just giving my kid the first year of counseling is basically what my role is, right? Like, like we all say we're going to make these mistakes. But, but even then, when someone says, hey, I love that what you're doing here. I noticed this, and this was so beautiful. Most of the time, you don't hear it because you think of the 100 other things that you've been telling yourself over and over again that you're not doing well. We got to be postured to receive these things. Look, a lot of this building up needs to happen to ourselves. This isn't a whole, hey, self-worth or anything else, but we should really align how we view ourselves the way that God speaks about how he views us. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. In Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. You were chosen before time. Those are the things that we need to speak of ourselves. I've given you life. It's for freedom. I've set you free, so walk in it. Don't enslave yourself to the lies that the enemy keeps implanting in you. We should be building up. But the problem is, is in our communities, we don't do this. In our marriages, we don't do this. We spend so much time looking for the ways in which our spouse will fail us so we can just quickly correct it. Hey, you know, if you'd have done this differently, it would have been this way. And we just take it off. You know, if that person just wouldn't done this, I just gossiped. Oh, take it off. And we start tearing down the community. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not tearing them down. I'm just acknowledging what's wrong with it. How is that encouraging? It's discouraging. Are you pointing them to truth? Are you, are you walking with them? Are you willing to, to identify that and actually be the person that locks arms with us and said, I'm in this with you until the end? I will see you through this. No, we gossip. We slander. We do all these things. But you know what's the hardest and most amazing and, and saddening thing possible is that it never works like that one for one. In fact, I've found in my own life when people encourage me or as I've encouraged other people, sometimes it takes three or four or five statements before ever one block will ever get added. But you know what's crazy? It doesn't take much to tear it down, does it? We've watched churches fall because of one gossip statement. Marriages crumble because of one statement. It's not a, it's not a oh, we took one off. It's a complete knockover and destruction. The way that we speak to each other the way that we communicate to one another is either going to build up or tear down. And here's why it's so important to God. Here's why it's so important to God. Because when you build up, you're operating in the new self, the very thing that he sent Jesus Christ to the cross for. So you could not only be crucified with Christ, but be risen with him. We know that, that when we operate as the new self, we operate the very way that God created us to do it, the very thing that he wants for us, and that not only has he begun, but he's going to complete with us. You and I have got to be building up, not tearing down. We've got to be admonishing each other, speaking the truth in love, encouraging 
sharing the gospel. The way that we speak to each other should baffle the people that aren't a part of his kingdom. They should be blown away. Like, how in the world could you guys disagree in such a gentle and caring and humble way? Wouldn't that be amazing to see on social media? The way in which we speak in our marriages should be so soft and gentle and truthful, not, not glossing over, not just pretending like everything's okay. No, real, authentic, truthful, gentle conversations that people around us and our kids go, I want a marriage like that. The way that we love and care for one another and speak goodness over one another should blow away the world. In fact, so much so that there wouldn't be any division in his church at all. Colossians 3, I think, gets at the, at the heart of this as well. So I'm going to read this for a second here. It says, Colossians 3, 15 through 17 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. See, I think that's the biggest issue with this, is that most of us haven't really let his peace rule our hearts, the center of all who we are. We like the idea of his peace. We want to know more of his peace, but we don't really let it rule That means we put ourselves under his control. That means we submit ourselves to him. And his peace rules our heart. Let it rule our heart. And he goes on and says, says, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. And be thankful. Just a simple statement. I think the reason why most of us grumble or complain or gossip or slander is because we are not thankful. We aren't thankful for the fact that God is allowing us to breathe today. He woke you up. He's holding you together. He sent his son, to, for those that are in Christ, he sent his son to the cross to die in your stead so that you could be deemed righteous and stand before God holy and blameless, not by anything you've done, but by what he's done for you. We should be overwhelmingly thankful just for that. And most of us are like, well, that's neat, God. What else you got? I want more of what this person has. And so because I don't have it, I'm going to tear them down so I can feel a little bit better about myself. I want to go ahead and slander this person. I'm going to tear this person down. I'm going to cut this person away because it just for a moment makes me feel a little bit better about myself when at the very truth and the root of it is if I just rested in the peace of Christ, I would see the truth of what's spoken about me. I'm chosen and holy, adopted. He goes on and says, let the word, here it is, the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you want to see yourself be about building up other people, it comes to the word of God dwelling in you, not just passing through an app a word a day, not just something that you think about how you feel guilty not doing it enough, but something that you literally are famished for, you're hungry for, you desire more of, and so much so that when you're, when you're in it, it's like, oh, man, this is truth, and you let that not only be something you read for knowledge, but you go, oh, man, my life doesn't look like this. Lord, this doesn't look like this. Here, help me, brother. Like, like what do I need to do? How do I, how do I rid myself of this? You want to see yourself be about building up his kingdom and building others up and be encouraging? Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let it be so rich and so full in you that when you're bumped in, that's what comes up. When you're stuck in traffic on Eagle Road, that's what comes out. Let it be what just dwells in you so deeply that people are baffled by the way you speak and they don't think you're holy or amazing. They give Christ the glory. He goes on and says, right after that, okay, if it dwells in you richly, richly and all those things, then teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Again, thankfulness. The reason why we struggle with our words is because we are not thankful. And whatever you do, 
in word or deed. Do everything in the name of Lord Jesus. Did you ever think about that? Whatever you do, do in the name of Lord Jesus. So when you choose to speak crass vulgarity or vulgar words, are you doing that in the name of Jesus? When you choose to tear down a brother or sister, is that really in the name of Jesus? He says, whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The band's going to come up, and we're going to worship some more. And I, I want to challenge you guys with this, just this simple thing. Are you building or tearing? Is, 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 just like we said last week, if you want to know the condition of your heart, look at what's coming out of your mouth. Well, you want to know, are you, are you building or tearing? And let me, just, let me just connect these dots. If you're tearing, you're, you're operating out of the old self. If you're building, that's the new self. That's the, that's the clothed in righteousness that Christ has given you. Are you building or tearing? Could you just imagine for a second? And I, I understand that it's never this simple in life, and I get that, that, that no one's neutral, and I understand that people are always affecting everything. But just imagine for a second, in your marriages, if you made it your desire to only build one another up, like what would that, what would that do to your marriage? And I'm not talking like fake, like, oh, hey, you finally did the dishes, thanks. Like that's, that's a whole other heart condition, okay? I'm not talking about that, Okay. But I mean, if you genuinely looked to your bride or your husband and said, God, I want to see them the way you see them. I want to speak to them the way you speak of them. What would that do to your kids? What would that do to the community? What if just for a moment as a gospel community, you decided we are just going to be a building up community? I can guarantee two things will happen. One is you'll, you'll see God more present in your life. And the other thing is, is people will want to be a part of that. The very purpose for which God has us here is to make disciples of all nations. How, how are we going to do that when they look at us and go, well, that's just the way the culture is. You speak the same way everyone else does at work. How do, I mean, I guess I'll be a part of that. I don't need to do anything. Nothing needs to change. Could you imagine? Imagine how different your conversations would be at work if you just sought to build up everyone. You refused to grumble. You put a guard over your mouth like Psalm 141 did, but you didn't stop there. You said, God, if it's in my heart, I want it dug out. How different would it be? Are you building or tearing? Are you bringing life or death? Are there, are there, is there words of healing or sword thrusts of death? We pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Um, God, I pray that, that it would dwell richly in all of us. I pray that we wouldn't just hope that that would happen someday, but we'd be literally famished for it. I'm seeking it out like we would water in a desert after not drinking for weeks. And God, would you just continue to remind us that your word is living and active and that there is a way in which we can understand these things because of what your spirit has brought, pure and undefiled wisdom from above, but there's also, there's also a call and a way in which your spirit is leading us to submit ourselves to these things. And so if there's anyone in here that keeps going to that gross closet and trying to put on that old, ugly flannel shirt that has no business wearing, God, would you please just rip that from their hands? Would you let them stand full and new and healthy in your creation? God, I pray for the individuals in here that don't know you, those that continue to try and find you in in roundabout ways but, but are afraid to maybe give themselves entirely to you. Even the individuals in here that hear this and they go, man, it's just, there's no way. There is no way. I will always stub my toe and something explicitive will come out. There's nothing they can do. God, would you just remind them that you're greater than, than anything else? You are more, poor, more powerful than any other struggle. 
and that they are not too far gone. That it's not their strength that's going to bring about this ability to put a guard over their mouth. It's you. It's not, it's not their strength that's going to change their heart. It's you. And God, you promised to not only change their heart, but to finish the very, very work you began. And so, Father, I pray that as a people, we wouldn't be um, tearing down. We'd be building up. I pray as a people, we'd be, we'd be known for building up, and not so that we could get the glory, but so that people could see more of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that there are interactions upon interactions upon interactions where your scriptures say that we may have entertained angels. I pray that people that don't know you would feel like they've been talked to by an angel because of the way that they experience your truth. I pray that people would just see Jesus and give him the glory for it all. God, for the, for the spouses that have been tearing down, would you work a heart, work, work, a, work a miracle in their hearts? God, for the kids that have been experiencing their spouses, their parents tearing each other down, would you, would you work a miracle in their hearts as they see what repentance and reconciliation looks like through your gospel? God, for the individuals that have run from your church because of the division that has come, that has grieved the Holy Spirit, God, would you reconcile? God, for those that are here today that saw their heart condition last week, that repented of it, that have seen you work this week, God, would you just continue to do your work that you promised to do and would we continue to submit ourselves to that and give you the glory for it all. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.